You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. We're in 2 Timothy last week in chapter 1. We'll continue into chapter 2 this week. I... uh, you know, it seems like I, I'm in this passage a lot, and maybe I am. Maybe I did this last year. Maybe I did it the last time I taught. I don't know. I don't ever look back at my messages, so I don't know what I preach on. I just preach on what the Lord lays on my heart and what he's teaching me, and it's usually out of failure is why it's on my heart. So, you know, I just bring to you out of what the Lord is, is bringing to me, and I'm not saying that I am any uh, pinnacle of success in regards to what we're bringing out of the scripture this morning, but I know that's something that all of us need for sure in our Christian life. So if we just want to review a little bit from last week, we said 2 Timothy is the last book the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote that to Timothy, his beloved son in faith, and then he was martyred for his faith about six months after he wrote the book of 2 Timothy. So we know that, you know, these are the last words of the Apostle Paul. We should put that much more emphasis, I believe, and I'm sure Timothy did, on this being the last words from the Apostle Paul to him, encouraging him in his faith. We should probably have that same level of emphasis that we place on the Apostle Paul's last words to the church. Really, you know, as I said, he was probably, he was the leader and the founder, essentially, of the Gentile church. We know the Lord Jesus Christ is the head, but the Apostle Paul really was the one who laid that groundwork. So as we look through... Uh, the first chapter of Second Timothy, we brought forth three things from the chapter uh, that, that Paul encouraged Timothy to do. First of all, he told him to focus on his faith, you know, the faith that he had, knowing that his faith was real, focusing on that real faith that he had and using that in his ministry, making sure that he made that the focal point of his ministry. And then first he said, after you've focused on your faith, stir up your spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. And then secondly, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me and my testimony. Make sure that you're not ashamed of the gospel. Third, hold fast to sound words or sound doctrines. Keep that in the forefront. Don't give up on it. Don't compromise. That was what the Apostle Paul laid out to to Timothy here in the first chapter. Then I also read a portion from the American Crisis pamphlet from Thomas Paine, something that I think for us, giving us that viewpoint as well, in addition to the scripture, I think it, it is a, a good statement, a good writing for us to think about in regards to our Christian life as well. And I'm going to read that again. It says, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. And we could say the Christian, the summertime Christian will shrink in this time of crisis from service to their Lord. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if celestial and articles of freedom should not be highly rated. You know, if we don't rate what we have here in the Word of God as something high and valued and esteemed. And if we don't rate that our service and how we appear before the Lord in judgment when He asks us and we're evaluated for the works that we've committed on this earth, 
You know, if we don't esteem that very highly, we're not going to do anything about it. If we don't esteem the furtherance of the gospel, or the work of the ministry, the expanding of the kingdom of Christ, if we don't esteem that as very high value to us, we're not going to do anything about it. So it is important for us to get that mindset that we esteem that as being high value. And that we are focused on continuing no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost, that we are going to continue in our faith, that we're going to continue in the work of the ministry. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1 through 13. Follow along as I read. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you just give me strength this morning, Lord. Just strengthen my voice, Lord. Help me to be able to bring to you the people here, Lord, what you've laid on my heart, Lord. And help it to go forth through the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that your spirit would work here among us this morning. And thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I could have preached a, a little Mother's Day Sunday school lesson this morning, but I didn't because that's not what the Lord laid on my heart. And plus, I don't want to take anything away from Pastor. I, I, I infringe so much on him, you know, especially on Memorial Day. That's coming up. I can't do two, two Sundays out of the month. But let's look at 2 Timothy here, what the Lord has for us this morning. But happy Mother's Day to you all, all you mothers. One of the things that boys that men that they love to be known for is their strength, right? I mean, most men want to be known for how strong they are physically, physically strong. That's what young, young men, you see boys at a very young age flexing their muscles, trying to show who's the strongest, right? That is just inherent to men. We want to be strong. You know, anymore, though, it's not just men that want to be strong. I mean, you look at all the weightlifting competitions. Some of those females, they're pretty, pretty scary as well. You know, how much weight they can lift. And uh, the activity level there. So it's not just men anymore, but, you know, naturally speaking, when boys growing up, they want to, I mean, even now, I have to watch out for the roundhouse to the, the jaw from the three-year-old, you know, as he's just trying to show me his strength when I'm not paying attention to him. You know, some of people put a lot of effort into being strong, which is what I would have to do. I'd have to put a lot of effort into being strong. Whereas there's some people, like, you know, Brian, Bryant and uh, Micah Duncan, I mean, those guys just naturally strong. Not saying they don't have to work at it a little bit, but, you know, there's some guys who are just naturally strong. Isaac, he's a freak. But anyway. <laughs> um, you know, then there's other people that are just geared towards endurance, right? They have that strength, but it's more enduring strength, not that, that physical strength that's just noticeable. They can, you know, you know, pick up something that's really heavy. 
And those would be like the CrossFit or the Ironman competitions. We see a lot of those people like that. But here in 2 Timothy, Paul first tells Timothy to be strong. He appeals to that sense that men have of needing to be strong. But he says, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Not in your own strength, but in the, the strength that is in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know that the grace of God is giving to us, giving to us that which we don't deserve, right? God is extending to us that which we don't deserve. That's his grace. Grace is what enables us to be strong in the Christian life and to do those things in the Christian life that we need to because we know we're sinners. We still have that flesh that is wicked. Yes, we're saved by the grace of God. We need his grace in our life. The phrase grace of our Lord Jesus Christ appears ten times in the New Testament. And it's mostly at the valediction, the ending of a letter that is being written. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, or 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, sorry. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ specifically is the fact that he became poor so that we could become rich and grow into his image. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ, his grace specifically is. He became poor for us so that we could become rich through faith and grow up to serve him in his image, to grow, to be like Christ. That was the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in order to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we have to become weak to our own selves. We can't be strong in our own selves, do our own will, do our own things, and be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to relinquish ourselves in order to grow in this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to become poor to ourselves and allow His strength and His riches to be the driving strength in our life. This is what the Apostle Paul understood. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, when he was talking about that thorn in the flesh that was there to buffet him, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. So often we don't think that the Lord's grace is sufficient in our life. We would rather have our own strength be sufficient for us, right? We want our strength to be the thing that makes us successful. But we need that strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glad, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is part of the Christian life that is probably most difficult for us as men to relinquish. We don't like to relinquish our strength, especially young men. It's hard for us to allow God's strength and power to be evident through our life rather than our own strength and power to be evident. We want everybody to look at us. And that's that pride factor I think a lot of men have. We want people to look at us and see how strong we are. But we need to have them seeing the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ, His grace in our lives. That's something that is hard for us to do. We have to be trusting in the grace of the Lord through our faith in Him in order for Him to accomplish His will in us. This is what Paul encourages Timothy, first of all here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, to have the, Lord's, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be the strength in our life. And then he moves on to enduring hardness. He needs to endure hardness. He references enduring hardness to three areas. And I know this is a familiar passage to us. We're going to go over it. Hopefully the Lord will show from us that which we need this morning. I know he will if we allow him to do so. In order to, he references three areas. He references soldiering. He references athletic competition, and he references farming. Those three things. And how do those intertwine? Well, we'll find out as we go through this passage. In order to build up endurance, what do you need to do? 
If you're going to have endurance to run a race, what do you have to do? You have to run a lot, right? You have to run. You can't run today and run two months from now and expect to be able to run farther than you did before. So if you ever want to run a marathon, you can't just run today a half mile and expect to run in a marathon a week from now. You can't do it. You have to build up the endurance. That means repetition. That means you've got to constantly do it. That means you've got to eat right. You've got to do things right in order to allow your body to endure. If we are going to endure hardness then in the Christian life, what do we have to do? We have to make that a consistent practice. We have to face constant levels of hardness in our life in order for us to be able to endure. Just like an athlete or just like a soldier, they have to build up that endurance level. If we're going to endure hardness, we have to allow that hardness to come. We can't reject the hardness when it comes into our life. We have to accept the hardness, as, as Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here. We have to embrace it, and we have to con have continuing levels of hardness in our life to discipline ourselves to go through these hard times. Our strength to endure this hardness, remember, is not our own strength. It's that strength that we find in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, my preference is typically always the easy way. Whatever's the easiest way, the quickest way, that's the way I like stuff to be. I like to be able to just knock things out and get it done. But that's not the way we can do it in our Christian life because that's not the way that helps us to endure hardness or to increase and grow in our faith. In order for us to be good soldiers for Jesus Christ, we need to be willing to bring on this hardness. You know, nobody who goes to boot camp doesn't expect to have them put them through something that they have never experienced before. They all expect to be tried, right? And if you go there and you're not expecting to be tried, you drop out pretty quickly. And even people that go to a boot camp expecting to be tried, and then once they bring in that level of hardness to them, they realize, I don't really want to do this anymore, and they drop out, right? We have to be good soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to bring this hardness into our lives or allow the Lord to bring it into our hardness, into our lives and not reject it. A soldier in the U.S. Army, U.S. Marines, U.S. Navy, Air Force, they don't just get given a weapon and get thrown to the front lines, right? They don't just say, oh, here's your weapon or here's your airplane, go fly it, you know? They have to go through some training and some discipline and some hardness. They need that consistent level of discipline and hardness in their life and instruction so that when the times of trial and hardness and conflict come into their lives, it's repetition. They can just do it. They don't have to think about it. They just do it. They can fulfill the assignment no matter the level of difficulty. And this is what the Apostle Paul is showing to Timothy. You know, the Roman army at this time was one of the most disciplined armies the world had ever seen. They were consistent in their discipline. They were consistent in their endurance. They functioned as a unit. That is exactly how the Apostle Paul is referencing to Timothy, and I know he understood it. When we consistently perform the things that stretch our faith, and it requires His grace in our lives, it becomes easier and easier, and those things that we once considered foreign aspects of our life then become patterns that we enjoy. Just as when you go through boot camp, you don't necessarily enjoy it, but you look at my brother, there's certain things he can't give up from what he went through in the Marines. The, the weightlifting, the, the physical training, those things that we would say none of us want to do at the level that they do it. Once you've done it for a while, you don't want to, you want, you want that. And I think that's foreign to us to say, you know, we want to endure hardness for the Lord so that, you know, we can continue enduring it and then pretty soon we enjoy it. But that was where the Apostle Paul was at. The Apostle Paul enjoyed the hardness that the Lord was bringing into his life. I think he enjoyed the hardness more than the easy times in his life. 
Because he had gone through it so much and he relied on the Lord so much that it brought him enjoyment to endure hardness for the Lord. We mentioned last week about the importance of not being a summer soldier or sunshine patriot. We must be determined in our lives to endure and embrace this hardness for our Lord. We need to make sure, though, that this hardness is in, in, initiated by our love for the Lord and desire to serve Him, as opposed to, you know, just showing ourselves to be physically strong, right? We already talked about that. The summer soldier quits or retreats when they have a couple of losses or defeats, or everything isn't going as well as planned. The summer soldier allows things to entangle him, so he is worried about personal affairs rather than serving their CEO. And because they're focused on their own personal plans and desires and lives, then they become ineffective in their soldiering, ineffective in their conflict. Always worried about other things, not solely focused on the task at hand. You know, in verse 4 it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So that was the first aspect that the Apostle Paul brings to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, is soldiering. Then he goes on to athletic competition. You know, you may be the best athlete in your sport, have the best training, be the most dedicated, but if you don't follow the rules of your sport, you'll be disqualified. You know, you see these guys, they'll practice their whole life, train their whole life for the Olympics, and they'll get there. And it'll be the 100 meters, right? And they'll get on there, and they'll false start twice. Or once. Now, I think it's only once. You can't even false start at all. And you're done. You're done. You know, that is where we can face in our own Christian life as well. If we're not focused on obeying the rules, okay, if we don't do what the Lord has commanded us in our life, we can have one false start and our ministry be over, Right? Do we have that in our minds that there's just one thing that we could do that could destroy? And maybe it's not even going to be to that level where we just destroy our testimony completely, but we could destroy a fellow believer, right, by one slip of our testimony, one level where we don't endure hardness, where somebody is watching us, seeing how we're going to respond in a certain situation, and we respond incorrectly, and we could damage the way they serve the Lord, the way they continue for the Lord. We have to be thinking about this, and that's what the Apostle Paul relates to Timothy here. If a man strive for masters, yet is he not crowned unless he strive lawfully. We have to be willing to follow what the Lord has commanded us to do. The same thing as in an athletic competition, it applies to obeying God's word. We can easily put ourselves into these positions where we are disqualified for service. If we don't stay disciplined, if we don't endure the hardness and follow the rules that the Lord has laid out for us. The discipline of living a holy life is a hard thing, especially in our society today. But Paul and Timothy were also living in a decadent, immoral, evil, wicked society as well. So we can do it, but it takes enduring the hardness and relying on the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's hard to resist conforming to the fashion of this world sometimes, right? As the world continues to drift farther and farther away, it's easy for us to come along and conform a little bit after a little bit after a little bit, right? It's hard for us to do that. But remember, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in our life is there to give us his strength and to make us to be Christ-like so that we become poor to ourselves and rich in him through faith. That is the goal. And that is how we relate it to an athletic competition as well. We have to do the training and do the hardness, but we still have to be willing to obey the Word of God 
and all things, and not slip up, not violate the law that would cause us to be ineffective. That is what the Apostle Paul is warning Timothy here. You know, so easily you could be out of the ministry if you don't strive lawfully just as an athlete has to strive lawfully. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul gives Timothy a farmer or a husbandman as an example of those that are strong and enduring hardness. It says in verse 6 and 7, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. You know, a farmer has to put in some effort in order to be a successful farmer. And a lot of what a farmer depends upon, such as rain, you know, other things, bugs, that's out of his control. A lot of it is out of his control. And this verse is a little perplexing to me, verse 6, because um, the husbandman is not necessarily, the farmer is not necessarily the one who tastes of his, first, of his fruits first. It says the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. He's not necessarily the one that would be enjoying the fruits of his labor. So what is the Apostle Paul really talking about here? Especially since the context of this whole passage is enduring hardness, right? It's talking about enduring hardness. And it's saying here, if we just look at it, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. So I think, and maybe I'm the only one that was maybe a little confused about this verse. Maybe, my understanding of this verse, and maybe I'm incorrect, hopefully I'm not, is that once a husbandman or farmer first tastes of the crop, he first sees the value of his labor, then he, it motivates him to move in his labor forward. Once he understands the value of this crop that he's planting, once he sees the value of his labor, it motivates his labor thereafter. Right? So when we see the value in doing the will of God and enduring hardness as a good soldier, as an athlete, when we see the value in it, we see the benefits of it, it should motivate us in our service to our Lord, in standing strong for our Lord, in enduring hardness. We would not be slack in our effort if we remember the end result of our effort from our first partaking of this enabling strength, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in our life. When we remember that, the, sal the salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us, and the grace that he freely bestows upon us when we come to him and ask him for it. When we remember those things that enable us to do the work, and we see the benefits of our labor, we see that pleasing, the pleasure that we bring to the Lord through our labor and our service for him, it should motivate us to continue on in this hardness. You know, a farmer that plants a crop and doesn't see very many results, you know, his crops continue, you know, don't produce very much, he could be tempted to quit, right? Pretty easily sell everything, quit. We've seen lots of farmers do that in the past as well. If, they don't, if they're not successful, successful, they just give up, okay? We can see the end result. We can see the future. It's written for us here in the Scriptures. We know the end result of our service. We have to see it. We have to understand it. We have to believe it. And we have to be willing to partake of the hardness that is required in order for us to be good soldiers, good athletes, and good farmers for the Lord. In all these things, though, there is one thing that is required for us to endure this crisis that we find ourselves in. Not just a crisis in our church, crisis in our families, in our own personal lives, crisis in our country. And all that crisis stems from is the wickedness of this world, right? We're faced with these crises because of our wicked world. 
We need to be faithful in order to be any of these things. Faithfulness is required of good soldiers. We find that sandwiched in between being strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and enduring hardness. It says in verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul encourages Timothy in this verse that the words he had taught Timothy should be passed on to faithful men who would be able to teach others. The crux of being strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as enduring hardness for him, is that we have to be faithful and willing to teach others of the same things that we have been taught. The Apostle Paul gives us examples of this faithfulness in verse 8 through 13. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The main example for us of faithfulness was our Lord Jesus Christ and is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the primary example for someone who is faithful. He is the one that came to this earth, was faithful in living a perfect, sinless life. He was the one who endured the hardness of the many mockings and the scornings and the beatings and the ridicule that he encountered in his life even before, well, not the beatings, but the ridicule and the mockings, that the, the attempt by the Pharisees and the scribes to, to dissuade people from listening to his teachings even before he went to the cross. And then... You know, how about the fact that his ministry wasn't set in any location? He didn't have a headquarters. He didn't have Jesus, Inc., right? He was wandering around the countryside, sleeping out in the wilderness, where we know there was plenty of bandits and other things that could have taken place, wild animals even. The Lord endured that hardness, living as a homeless person for three years in his ministry. He was the one that was accused wrongfully for us and went to the cross willingly for us in order to be faithful to that was pro what was prophesied, and what he had promised from the very beginning to Adam in the garden, and Eve in the garden, that, he was, that there was going to be a, a Savior for us to, to bring that reconciliation between God and men once again. He was faithful to that. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who kept himself on the cross in order to take our sin upon him so that he might redeem us from all iniquity. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is the example of the one who is strong and grace first the one who endured hardness, and the one who is faithful to the end and is still faithful, remains ever faithful to us, and will remain faithful for all eternity. The Apostle Paul uses Christ's example as a motivating factor for his faithfulness in verse 9. He says, Wherein I suffer trouble, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful, enables me to be faithful. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even in the bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Because the Apostle Paul knew that just like a wine press, the more pressure that was put upon him, the more the gospel spread. The more pressure that was put upon the believers, the more the gospel spread throughout the world. You know, the word of God is too powerful for any government or any army to keep under control. There's no government of man or any army of man that can keep the word of God from spreading. The only ones that control or restrict the spreading of the word of God is us, the soldiers, and the athletes, and the farmers that should be the ones spreading the Word of God. We're the only ones that restrict it. Because under pressure, the Word of God spreads. When we do not abide faithful, the Word of God does not go forth with power. When we avoid hardness and we quit in the difficult times, there is no pressure to squeeze the truth of the Gospel to the areas hard to reach. For too many Christians, our lack of faithfulness that we have shown has made us ineffective soldiers. And I'm not just talking about faithfulness to church, although that plays a part of it. But how about faithfulness to endure hardness? 
and embrace the hardness of living a life pleasing to God, not just pleasing to ourselves. Rather than allowing the hardness to bring forth the evidence of God's power and grace in our life, we have cowed or compromised, effectively denying the grace of God in our life. All we need to do is just look at the state of our churches in America, and we can see how we have not stayed faithful. We have not endured the hardness that was brought into our life as this world changed from, as America changed from being a Christian nation over to a secular one. We didn't endure the hardness that was brought into our life by that secular turn, and now we're not even just becoming secular, we're becoming anti-God in America. Because we as Christians didn't fight that battle as we should have. We didn't endure the hardness. We no longer fight some of the battles for holiness and right living in our families or churches, and maybe some of us, and I know in my own life, I've not fought the battle at all in some instances. You know, sometimes, though, it's not just that we don't fight the battle for truth as we should. We fight the battles that we shouldn't be fighting. We fight the battles over no consequence, you know, of personal preference or things that don't really relate to the doctrine of God, the truth of Scripture. And we, we tear down others for different things, maybe the, the way they look or the way they dress or the things they do or the way they smell or something that drives a division in the, in the body rather than unifying the body through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and enduring the hardness to become good soldiers for him. You know, if we become unfaithful in our marriage, it destroys our marriage. If we become unfaithful at work, it destroys the company that we work for in some area, however we affect it. If we uh, are in the military and we become unfaithful in the disciplines that we have been taught, we become the weak link that the enemy can exploit. You know, the same is true in the Christian walk. The Apostle Paul encourages Timothy not just to stay faithful in the times when God's strength is needed to endure the hardness, but to embrace the hardness as fitting in our service to the Lord and stay faithful as he was faithful, as the Lord Jesus Christ was faithful. So let's not be the summer soldiers of sunshine Christians, but be faithful and look for areas where we can endure hardness for our Lord. Let's, let's desire to have that repetition that enduring of the hardness, so that we will allow the Lord, and we don't reject the hardness. And like I said, I speak this out of failure, not out of success, that we will allow the Lord to bring hardness into our life so we can continue to endure, so that we no longer look at the hardness as something that is hard, but something that we enjoy. It's tough to do, but that's what's required of faithful soldiers for our Lord. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.